All right, let's jump right in here. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 is a really interesting verse. It says, uh, Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Now this verse is talking about the Old Testament, the whole thing, the Old Testament. And it says that the Old Testament was written for our example and our instruction. And there's a lot of stuff in the Old Testament. It's actually a lot bigger than the New Testament. And I am going to be hanging out in the Old Testament today. I thought I'd give you a good old-fashioned Old Testament preacher sermon. So, out of all the books in the Old Testament, how many of you guys can confidently say that your favorite book in the Old Testament is Ecclesiastes. Come on, somebody. (laughs) If you don't get the joke, you've never read Ecclesiastes. Read your Bible. It's God's word to you. Okay, Ecclesiastes. Now, Ecclesiastes, if you read just the first, literally the first two verses, it's really sad and really kind of depressing. When I was a, a, a kid, little kid, probably 10, 10 years old, not particularly pursuing the things of God or not. You know, I'm just a kid. I started reading Ecclesiastes, and literally the first, like, two or three verses in, I'm like, what is this? This is so sad. Why is this in the Bible? I thought the Bible was supposed to be all sunshine and happiness. Why did you put this in here, God? But um, Ecclesiastes is a very... It's, here, I like to put it this way. Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon. I like to say Ecclesiastes was Solomon's emo phase. You know, how many of you have been there? Praise the Lord. There's deliverance for you. Come kneel at the altar. We can get you saved from that. Praise the Lord. But Ecclesiastes, like every other verse, or every other book in the Bible, has a purpose. As, as sad and as really kind of dark and and, and depressing as it is, like every other single verse in the Bible, Ecclesiastes has a purpose. And to be honest with you, Ecclesiastes is not a complicated book. It's only 12 chapters, which is kind of short for books of the Old Testament, but the whole book, really a single single verses aside that you can take different different meanings and extrapolations, blah, 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 from. Ecclesiastes really just has one purpose. The whole book has one message. And that message um, that makes it so sad and kind of so depressing, the message that Ecclesiastes conveys to us is meaninglessness. And because of that, and because of what I'm about to show you, it's easily one of the most, for what it is, for a book with just one basic meaning, it's easily one of the most profound books of the Old Testament. I have a knack. Uh, it's, a, it's a knack of mine to find the obscurities in the Word. And <laughs> I don't know, I, I like to think all of you have read Ecclesiastes at some point, but Ecclesiastes isn't something that people preach on a lot. And that's just my knack. I like to find, I like to dig. I like to make excavations through the scriptures to see what I can find. Praise the Lord. So Ecclesiastes is where I'm going to be hanging out today. 
a little background on that. It was written by King Solomon. Now, King Solomon, well, I'll get to that in a second. Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon, and the way it's written is kind of like, kind of like a journal. It's kind of like King Solomon's journal, his, his thoughts on life as an older man. Now, King Solomon, as most of you know, he was King David's son. We all know who David is, you know, David and Goliath, King David, that David. Solomon was his son and his, his successor to the throne. Uh, he was king of Israel, and he was not only uh, possibly the richest man ever. You, you heard me right. Solomon is considered one of, if not the wealthiest man in history, Bill Gates ain't got nothing on Solomon, let me tell you. But Solomon is explicitly stated in the Bible as the wisest man to ever live. And the reason that is, is because when Solomon was made king, the Lord appeared to him and said, Solomon, whatever you ask, I'll give you. And Solomon told God, he said, you know what? what I really want more than anything else is wisdom. And God told him, you know what, Solomon? Because you asked for wisdom and not riches or victory over your enemies or any of that stuff, I'll give you wisdom. And I'll give you that other stuff too. And that right there is a message in itself, praise the Lord. Uh, Not this message, obviously. But the Lord granted Solomon incredible unfathomable wisdom. And it says in the word that Solomon was the wisest man to ever live and the wisest man that will ever live, except for Jesus Christ himself, of course. So, actually, I have an example here. I wanted to read this. Um, In 1 Kings 4, it says, there's just a few verses that kind of lay out just how smart this man was. It says uh, in verse 29, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, wiser than, it names a few people, blah, blah, blah. And his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees, from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and of birds and reptiles and fish. And, all, and, and people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. So not only was Solomon the wisest man ever, he was smart. Solomon was educated. Solomon was top dog in, in different things like botany, zoology, biology. This guy was smart. And that in itself came from his his amazing wisdom. But if you know anything about Solomon, you know that Solomon, he wasn't perfect. Like anybody else in the Bible, Solomon wasn't perfect. Now, Solomon had great things spoken over him, as, as a child and as a, as a successor to David's throne, God blessed him immeasurably. Richest guy in history. Come on. Wisest guy in history. 
But Solomon, unfortunately, was a backslider. And uh, particularly, he had, a, he had a women problem. Some people think that they're cool having, having maybe two or three side chicks. Solomon had 700 wives. 700? Dear God! 300 concubines. You know what a concubine is? We'd call it a side chick. I won't go into detail there. But that's, that's a thousand women throughout his lifetime. He had a little issue there, and I'll get into that in a second, but so the point is Solomon, he wasn't perfect. And after his initial um, succession of the throne, blessed by God, he began to go a little downhill, and he began to backslide and make mistakes and fall away from God. Um, it actually says that he brought, because a lot of his, his wives were foreign and of different pagan religions, he actually brought their idols into, into his own household and into the temple. And God does not like that, needless to say. But anyway, as he got older, when he became sort of, sort of an older man, he started to realize that his life was just not right. Something's wrong here. And he started to examine himself. And what Solomon did was he decided to conduct an experiment. And this is where I relate so, so heavily with Solomon. He, saw, he said, you know what, something's wrong. Let's test something. Let's do an experiment. I like, I like that. He's a very scholarly man, very, very smart. And Solomon, through this experiment, made a discovery. And that's actually the title of my message is Solomon's Discovery. We're going to find out what Solomon discovered this morning. So what was Solomon's grand experience? What was Solomon's, Solomon's big test of himself? What was Solomon's experiment? Solomon, Solomon's experiment was he tried to find meaning in the world apart from God. Specifically, apart from God. Solomon's experiment was he tried to find purpose, fulfillment, and meaning in everything the world had to offer apart from God. And Ecclesiastes is the record of Solomon's experiment. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing, although, honestly, that wouldn't be so bad. It's the word. So I pulled out an excerpt that I think sums up the whole thing really nicely. It's uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And I'm going to do something I don't usually do. I'm going to read out of the New Living because I think it says it really nicely. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. It says, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found this, too, was meaningless. So I said, laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? After much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. And while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, 
filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my, my many flourishing groves. I even bought slaves, both men and women, women, and others were born in my household. I owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Now here we have a man, just a guy, just a human being like me and you, who said, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to do it all. I'm just, I, I'm not happy right now. I got to find something to make me happy. So he did whatever came his way. He tried everything the world had to offer. The phrase it uses is everything under the sun. He tried it all in an effort to just be happy, to find meaning in his life, because he wasn't pursuing God really very well at the time. And that was affecting him. And he knew it was affecting him. But initially, he couldn't figure out why. So he said, you know what? I'll try a few things. I'll see what the world has to offer me. I like in the, in the NLT, it says, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. And that was Solomon's experiment. Some things that Solomon tried in an effort to find his, his meaning, his purpose, his fulfillment in the world. I'm going I'm to list the biggies here. Uh, Solomon tried philosophy and worldly wisdom. But you know, Colossians 2.8 says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So that's a big mistake right there. Solomon, here's the thing. Solomon already had divinely appointed wisdom from God. There's no question there. And every surrounding nation acknowledged it. He said, or they said, this guy literally is the wisest man we have ever encountered. So you would say, why, why would he give that up? Well, in his efforts to make himself happy, he didn't lose the wisdom. He didn't lose the gift of God that, that the Lord had gave him, but he started valuing it over the one who gave it to him. And that's where he first slipped up, is he considered his own longings and his own opinions greater than God's. So he tried philosophy. He tried worldly wisdom. He tried the world's way of doing things, the world's way of, of thinking. And you know, that's a lot like 
a lot of people today. I may be one of them. A lot of people like to feel smart. And a lot of people think they aren't making it in life if, if they don't make themselves feel smart enough, if they don't have everything figured out. A lot of people try to make sense of the world and even more still try different, different religions, different uh, um, mysticism and all this. You know that stuff's making a resurgence lately? In the past 20 or so years, all this mysticism stuff is starting to come back. We need to wake up. Hello. Church needs to do something. But why is that? It's because people are trying their best to find something. They are grasping and clutching at some kind of meaning in this world because it says in Romans, there's no excuse for for saying I don't believe in God. Everyone has a little bit of faith in them to believe in God, but people are misusing their faith. they, They know there's something more to this world. They know there's more fulfillment to be found but they, their aim is a little off. They, they're, trying, they're trying palm readings and, and, and horoscopes and all this different, and, and psychics and all this different evil spiritual stuff that's not God in an effort to find something, to find meaning, to find purpose in their lives. And Solomon did too. That was one of the things he tried. But you know what he said? And this, it repeats this phrase over and over in the Bible, or in, in Ecclesiastes. He considered it meaningless, like chasing after the wind. You know what happens when you chase after the wind? You never catch it. So here we have Solomon. He experienced it all, and he said it's meaningless. Like, it's, like, it's like trying to grab the wind. And another thing, I told you I had a list. Another big thing that Solomon tried in an effort to make himself happy was different kinds of pleasures. It lists, it lists um, wine and folly, which is uh, a better word for it would be loose living. Loose living, the, the, King James, the, the King James word for that is lasciviousness. It just means loose living. He just tried it all. He said, you know what? So he, he said to himself, you know what? Treat yourself. You deserve it. Enjoy yourself. Solomon got into a lifestyle of self-indulgence, partying, and even indulging in alcohol. Says it very plainly right there. He says, I even tried to cheer up my body with wine in an effort to find happiness. Solomon turned to the party scene. And man, back then, if you got, if, 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 even today, if, if you got the shmoney, how many of you know you can throw some parties? Come on now. Solomon was ordering all the wine he could drink. And that's a lot of people today, unfortunately. This, uh, this one kind of hits close to home because, not in a bad way, but uh, my old roommate back in Tulsa, he was a, a former alcoholic. And man, his testimony is so powerful. Um, 
maybe one day we can get him down here so he can tell it. But he was a raging alcoholic, went to the bar every single night and blew hundreds of dollars getting sloppy drunk every single night. To hear him tell the story, it's a lot more powerful than I can even, even hope to convey to you. But every time he, he says it, he says, that was the stupidest thing I have ever done. But that is so many people today, y'all. So many people try to, try to, you know what? So many people are in tough situations. I realize that. God knows that. God knows that life is kind of tough sometimes. But that's why he said, turn to me. You shouldn't have to numb yourself to the world and get yourself drunk in order to feel something. God said, turn to me. Turn to Jesus, not that. Be not drunk with wine, but be ye filled with the Spirit. It says that in uh, Ephesians, I think. But Solomon tried it. He said, you know, I'll give it a go. I'm not really feeling anything anyway. Life has no meaning anyway, right? Might as well try something. But you know what Solomon said? I'll give you a hint. I've already said it. He said, it's meaningless. It's like chasing after the wind. You'll never catch it. Going down that avenue of trying to please yourself, trying to please your body, you'll never catch it. I can promise you that. And the Word promises you that. You know, another thing that Solomon tried in order to find fulfillment in the world, try to find some kind of happiness. You may not expect this one. He tried productivity and hard work. Solomon, in essence, became a workaholic. How many of you know a workaholic in your life? Come on. I've known a few. People married to their job. Well, are you saying people shouldn't work? No. You're saying working's bad? No. Doesn't say that. But Solomon was devoting every moment he had, every waking moment, trying desperately to find some kind of fulfillment. That's the theme here. He's trying to find something. He's trying to find his purpose in life. And he turned to to good old-fashioned hard work. And... I, unfortunately, have known many people like this, people that live their entire lives for their job. They go to work. They got the good old eight to five. They, they, they go to... <laughs> Jeremy knows. J- Jeremy knows some people. Um, but they, they live their lives for their job. And it takes away from their family... It takes away from church. It takes away from their relationship with God because that is their meaning in life. That's their purpose. And Solomon tried to find satisfaction in that, in the works of his hands. He tried to fill up his resume. Uh, It says he built houses, he planted vineyards, gardens, parks, all kinds of fruit trees, pools, and he had really cool uh, irrigation systems. And that was all cool. That's all great. That's all fantastic. Good for you, Solomon. 
but that was his, his, his purpose in life. His very, the very meaning in his soul was to build this stuff apart from God. And some people may say, well, I got to work to provide for my family. My, my job is how I provide for my family. Well, I thought God said he would do that. Should you work? Yeah. Should it take away from your family? Absolutely not. Like Pastor Michelle was just saying, you got God at the top. What comes immediately after God is your own family. If you put your job above your own family, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. God did not put you in a covenant relationship with your family so you could ignore it. So you could let it fall apart. You will not find meaning in a job. You will not find fulfillment in a job if it's apart from God, if it's out of God's will. You will not. Period. So, another thing that Solomon tried, he, he, tried, the, he tried the philosophy, he tried the, uh, the, the, the hard work, he tried the party, the party scene, Another thing that Solomon tried to find meaning in this world was popularity and, and social promotion. He tried to elevate himself. Now, this one just doesn't make sense to me because Solomon was already the king of Israel and you can't really get much higher than that except for God himself. It says he was the wisest man in history, the richest man ever, but he tried to elevate himself in the eyes of his peers. In order to make himself feel something, in order to make life make sense, make life worth living, he tried to make himself look good. And a lot of people, maybe I've been guilty of this, I don't know. Lord will forgive me. A lot of people think, if I could just get to the top of that ladder, if I can just make that manager position, <laughs> if I can just make CEO. But if it's not God's will, if it's not God's plan for you, you will not find fulfillment in it. You will not find meaning in it because the very best place you can be is the will of God. Because in the will of God is where you find your meaning and you find your fulfillment. And another thing that Solomon tried is prosperity and wealth. Now, we know that God wants us to prosper. We know God does not want us to live in poverty. But Solomon went about it the wrong way. See, at this point, Solomon was living his life apart from God. He said, I don't want nothing to do with you. And he accumulated it. Here we have servants, herds, flocks, silver, gold, treasure, entertainment, concubines. Um, are there any children in here? Because I'm going to put it really bluntly. Solomon had more money and sex than you can ever want. And I find it really interesting that those two things are like the biggies that people think is going to make them happy. If I can just make more money, if I can just get more women. I know people today that find their 
that find their, their happiness in having game, you know? You know what having game is? Getting with the ladies. I'll leave it at that. There is a massive chunk of the world that, want, that, that think that they should be given free money. A massive chunk of our own nation that think that they should be given free money. Well, it's not fair that I'm in poverty, and, and that'll get me out of it. Well, I thought God said he was going to do that. I thought that was God's job. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart. And my God shall supply all your needs, not whatever else. People who try to obtain wealth and prosperity through worldly methods, well, that's exactly what you're going to get, worldly fulfillment, which is meaningless, like chasing after the wind. Folks, let's let God do his job. Let's let God do his job. Yes? God is the one who brings fulfillment through our own prosperity. God will give us whatever we need within his will. Don't go chasing it and chasing it and chasing it and trying to, trying to hoard up all you can, whether it's money, possessions, uh, uh, women or men or whichever y'all do. Do they? You won't find fulfillment in that, I promise. The only fulfillment and meaning you will get is if it comes from God. Now, one final thing that Solomon tried, and this may surprise you, Solomon tried ethical living and good works. Again, apart from God, there is a way that the world will tell you to live in order to be a good person, but it is not God. The world will tell you you have to do certain things and believe certain things say certain things, post certain things in order to be a good person. And if you don't, you're Satan. You're, you're the devil. You're evil. It's not God. Solomon tried it, but the result is the same. And he actually came to that conclusion. A good chunk of Ecclesiastes is devoted to the contrast between righteous living and unrighteous living. In chapter 9, it says, the, destiny, the, the same destiny, pardon The same destiny ultimately awaits everyone, whether righteous or wicked, good or bad, ceremonially clean or unclean, religious, irreligious. Good people receive the the same treatment as sinners, and people who make promises to God are treated like people who don't. It seems so wrong that everyone under the sun suffers the same fate. Already twisted by evil, people choose their own mad course, for they have no hope. There is nothing ahead but death anyway. Solomon saw it. When you, when you try to be a good person, how the world tells you to be a good person, it's the same thing as just not being a good person. There's no difference. The same fate awaits us all. But with God, 
He has a standard for us. And with that standard comes blessing. With that standard comes promotion. With that standard comes grace. God wants us to live by his way of being a good person. Not by good works. Solomon tried the whole good works shtick. Didn't work for him. He said it's meaningless, like chasing after the wind. You'll never catch it. And a lot of people, they like to act really cool. They would like to act really holy. But good works doesn't mean you're a good person. Especially if it's what the world is telling you to do. How many of you know, if the world is telling you to do something, there's a pretty good chance you shouldn't do it? In short, uh, chapter 2, verse 10 sums it all up. It says, And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Solomon didn't keep anything from his eye. Whatever he saw, he took it. If it was sex, he got it. If it was more money, he got it. If it was more glory, he got it. If it was more accomplishments, he got it. Solomon got whatever he wanted. He was reaching and searching and, and yearning for, for something that he could attain, something that he could, could, could get to bring him fulfillment. And he said, it's all meaningless. So you can't give me the excuse, well, Austin, you just don't know me. Uh, and and if, I, if I got that, if I just got that thing, if I just did that thing, I would be happy. You're right, I don't know everything. But here we have a man who did everything. He did everything under the sun. Everything this world has to offer. And he said, it's all meaningless. I just picture him in his, in his room, just weeping. Having done all this, just saying, it's meaningless. It's all so meaningless. There's no meaning in this world. And he looked back on everything he had done, all the pursuits of, of mankind and all the things that they think will bring them purpose and meaning and happiness, and he said it's worthless. It's pretty strong language. Pretty, pretty heavy language. And as you read the rest of the book, there's, there's a lot more things that he said, it's worthless. <sighs> so why is this important? Why does this matter? Most of us know, sure, we should follow God, yeah, I guess. But why is this important? You know, why this is important and... I'm very passionate about this. Why this is important is because people are killing themselves over this. Teenagers are killing themselves because every day they wake up and different things in the world say, we're all worthless chunks of flesh floating on a worthless rock flying through space and they are killing themselves. The depression rate is too high, people, for this many Christians to be in the world. And experts run the numbers and they run the tests to figure out why, because, but, but they can't because they're not measuring it against the Word, because the Word says the only thing that will bring fulfillment is God. 
all of these different pursuits in the world. You, want, you wonder why people wake up and they're just tired all the time. They're just sad all the time. Their marriage is falling apart. It's because they aren't doing it God's way. I had a, a kind of a revelation about this a few years ago. I went to God. This was maybe back in my more angsty days. I was like, God, why is, what is wrong with the world? God. And he said, let me show you some things. I realized long ago that the world kind of stinks sometimes. And I also realized that because most of the world don't, know, don't even know God, that's where they're missing it. That's why the teen suicide rate is so high. That's why the suicide rate in general is so high because they don't value their lives. They think they're worthless because they don't find worth in this world. People who don't know God can't find worth or meaning or purpose in this world. So they try all these other things. They try the alcohol. They try the party scenes. They try to get the money, get the girls, get the cars, get whatever. Go to, go to colleges and get all smart and philosophical. They try and try and try to get something out of this world. And the only thing they will get is worthlessness. That's why this is important. That's why this needs to be said. It's because why are we here as Christians? Why are we still in this world? Because people need to know. There are people that are dying a little bit every day because their lives mean nothing. Because they don't know God because they don't have a relationship with God. But, praise the Lord, that's why I'm here. And that's why y'all are here. Jesus said that we are the light of the world. And a city on a hill cannot be hidden. We as Christians are supposed to be bringing this hope to the world. Because without meaning, without purpose, without God, there is no hope. Hope. People wonder why, why this uh, generation supposedly is the most depressed generation uh, we've seen. It's because we have generation after generation propagating a lifestyle with no God. And that's why, period. Praise the Lord. At the beginning of Ecclesiastes, we find that Solomon has made a conclusion. And it's in verse 2. It says, meaningless, meaningless, says the preacher. All is meaningless. And that was Solomon's conclusion. But after he examines his life and sees everything that he has done, at the end of the book, we find a different conclusion. And it's from God's perspective instead of his own. The last two verses in Ecclesiastes in the NLT says, that's the whole story. 
Now here is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commandments, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. And that was Solomon's conclusion. After examining everything, after living the life, everything under the sun was his. He came to one conclusion, that we are to fear God and keep his commands. And that is what will give us purpose and give us meaning in this world. Nothing else. A lot of us, maybe myself included, I know, I'm nowhere near perfect, are chasing things and trying to find happiness in a really tough world. Listen, I know. The world is kind of terrible. It's tough. I have been there. Praise God. Not, not, as, not as in the hole as some people. Praise the Lord. I, I, I grew up in a godly family with a praying mama. But I have been there, folks. I know the world is tough. And it will drag you down every chance it gets. But if we maintain our relationship with our Heavenly Father, and if we, if we remain in His will, that's where the fulfillment comes. That's where our happiness will come. That is where our purpose lies in this world. And folks, I want to challenge you. This is me challenging you today. If you have been kind of in the hole lately, and you're just feeling like everything you do, it, it's, it's, it, it doesn't accomplish anything. It, it's got no meaning. And everything you do, you wake up in the morning, you're depressed, you're sad, whatever. I want to I wanna challenge you to get back with your father. Get back in that perfect will of your heavenly Father. And He will take your, your, your soul and He will blast it to the sky. Our heavenly Father is always trying to bring us up. He will never leave you and He will never forsake you. It is His his, his job, really, to make our lives better. And if you will align yourself with His will, if you will get back on track and say, okay, God, what's next? Let's do something. What, what, come on, what do we got to do? Take it one day at a time. Wake up in the morning and say, all right, Father, good morning. What do you want me to do today? That's just a simple step. And that gets God excited. He's like, okay, I can work with this. Let's go. Let's endeavor. As individuals, as Compass Church, as people in the body of Christ, to not only only spread the light of the gospel, spread the hope of salvation to the world, 
but live it in ourselves. Because that is our purpose in life. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Hallelujah.